it's so po- it's so popular in the media to kick tradesmen. Yeah. You know, they're constantly being shown as dodgy rip-off merchants. And like, if that's true, how does anything? How does any structure in Australia stand? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's so true, what, why why is why are people living in houses? Welcome to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Talking business ownership, the nuts and bolts, and everything in between. G'day and welcome to another episode of the Tradies Business Show. I'm your host, Was Warwick Bidwell, and uh, today I'm chatting to a guy who is very, very passionate about Australian tradies. He's also uh, very passionate, but also uh, very experienced when it comes to the topic of resilience. And I have a great chat with Jason Spall from Coastal Asbestos Removal. And Jason and I know each other through the Lived Experience Network, which is a network of people who have a lived experience of suicide. And uh, as we know, suicide rates in the construction industry uh, well, they're way too high, but uh, they're certainly well above the national average. And uh, yeah, Jason and I got in touch a little while ago. We finally got at each other in, uh, well, not the same place, but on the same uh, technological device at the same time. And we have a really good chat about uh, the face of Australian trades, um, running a trade business, uh, resilience, dealing with adversity and challenge. And uh, yeah, really good chat. I'm actually going to have to get Jason back on the show, I think. Uh, we had <laughs> probably as long a chat after I pressed stop on the recording device uh, as we did beforehand. So uh, you might hear from Jason again. Have a listen to this episode, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Go and uh, have a chat with me via the Facebook page, Tradies Business Show on Facebook, or you can go to tradiesbusinessshow.com and send me a message there. So enjoy today's episode. I'll see you on the flip side. So joining me today on the Tradies Business Show is Jason Spall from Coastal Asbestos Removal. I think I got that right, mate. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Warwick. Mate, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, as I often say with introducing my guests, I would prefer that my guests uh, introduce themselves because I often make a bit of a meal of it, mate. So <laughs> can, you, can you tell the listeners uh, who you are and... I guess a bit about how you've come to be chatting to me on the Tradies Business Show today, mate. Yeah, so um, my name's Jason Spall, obviously for Coastal Asbestos Removal. We um, dog host-based company. We, we specialise in asbestos removal and management. So uh, we work with a lot of uh, builders, um, homeowners. Basically, the thing about asbestos is it's specialised, it's regulated. And if you if it's in good condition in your home, there's no need to to worry about it. Just maintain it. But if you need to get it removed, it's definitely not a DIY situation. <laughs> no, it's a recipe for disaster, <laughs> mate. Oh, mate, yeah. And there's like there's there's all sorts of ideas and methods that people have to get around the legislation. But mm. you know, it's safety is not only. Uh, um, a law it's a moral obligation that you have to the people that you work with work for and your customers so absolutely um, so best mate, off tell us uh tell us a bit about coastal asbestos removal so a bit about your business how many people you got working for you uh how long you've been in the business yeah so we've got we've got a team of five at the moment 
Um, we, we're based on the Gold Coast, so we service from Kingscliff to sort of south sort of Beenleigh, so it's about a 50k radius from our base. Um, we really, really pride ourselves on our, our compliance and our knowledge of the legislation. We, um, you can imagine asbestos removal businesses are hard to attract good staff and then retain them. So one of the things that I've done is I've decided to involve all of our guys in the legislation and all the rules and regulations that we need to be able to run our business safely. So we have um, safety meetings, we've got safety calendars, we've got checklists, all the kind of stuff that we need to do. And it's had a really positive impact on the business because our guys feel more engaged and more empowered and they're becoming um, their own, you know, real experts in their trade um, because it's really hard to get guys to see the value in this in this kind of work. And, you know, if you're doing this kind of work, you've really got to want to be doing it. It's not really the kind of job you can do until you get something better or um, you haven't got any work on. So that's our sort of – that's our main focus. And so what we say to our customers is we offer safety and compliance. Basically, it's that simple. You know, we, we do a lot of reporting to um, asbestos registers. We've developed a, a first program in Australia for um, residential property managers to, to keep them safe from asbestos litigation because – not many of them are aware about that. They have public liability insurance and most trades insurance excludes asbestos-related claims. So thinking that you can just sort of go along and I've got insurance that will cover that, it's just it's just not the truth. And you know what? That's an unfair situation that everybody's in. And I know it's in the policy disclaimer documents, but a lot of people come unstuck from that. Um, mm. Another off, Another one of our services we offer – um, soil asbestos contaminated soil removal and management and that can that like that can be you know with there's a lot of word work on the gold coast at the moment with the games coming um so we've done and a lot of the pipes you know a lot of the conduits and pipes in the ground are asbestos and yeah, they've right. got to come out so yeah so it's a fairly you know like people look at me like i've got some sort of blacksmith business from the <laughs> 1840s but but you know, with a renovation boom and roadworks and infrastructure upgraded, it's, it's actually quite relevant. Yeah. I was actually, I was down on the Gold Coast uh, on the weekend, mate, uh, doing a bit of training and stuff myself. And the construction down there is just, it's just mind-blowing, mate. Oh, mate, it's incredible. You know, I um, I come up here 28 years ago and, um, you know, I, I've never seen an area with so much development in the it's in, and it just doesn't seem to stop like okay we've got the games now and mm. but it's just another excuse to build more stuff you know? <laughs> <laughs> which is good for blokes like you oh yeah it's great you know like the gold coast is is like a we just had a um i've just been to a, a in a business group and we have expert speakers come in and they're talking about the economy the gold coast economy it's basically hospitality and construction Mm. and the finance, you know, they're the big employers. So um, it's a great place to live if you're a tradie. You can work all year. <laughs> the weather's awesome. You know, I, don't to, I don't have to think about the weather when I get up in the morning. <laughs> you know? How do you choose so, between surfing and working though, mate? I'm a little bit too chubby to be surfing. <laughs> <laughs> bit of natural uh, selection there. Everyone's going to want to Google you and go look at your photo now, mate. <laughs> So, uh, Jason, you mentioned that uh, you moved to the Gold Coast. Tell us a bit about 
where you came from and, and then perhaps we can uh, talk a little bit more about, I suppose, uh, some of your recent history, mate, or, or not so recent history. Yeah, okay. So I um, grew up in Victoria, the um, base of the Dandenong Rages. So winter's about six, summer's 42. Um, <laughs> so there's no sort of method to the madness of the weather. And I actually come up here on a like a four-week holiday and I think because I finished year 12 and all that's kind of it's like a rite of passage thing. And after about four weeks, I just thought there's no chance I can go back home. There's no way because I just – something about the Gold Coast and me clicked and there was no way I was leaving. So um, started working in hospitality and then ended up a metal roofer. So we did that for about 20 years. And as that business sort of expanded more and more, we, we got into asbestos roofs and gutters because that's – you come across it. You're like – 90% of homes in Australia built before 1990 will contain asbestos in them, according to Safe Work Australia. Mm-hmm. So on all these roofs, especially the roofs, they're all 60 and 70 years old. Yeah. They are way past their life. And they're not serviceable, so they've got to be removed. So we, we got into that. When Queensland floods happened, um, we got into it in a lot bigger way because we were doing insurance work, and the insurance company said to us, can you strip out houses as well as do the roofs for us? Mm. So that sort of started that sort of, yeah, we could do this, I think. And then probably another couple of years later, I, I sort of, I, it's an easy way to explain this. My roofing career was over, lost passion for it. I uh, just couldn't do it anymore. And we looked at the things that we had in the business that we'd done before. And, and, and I just thought, I think that it's probably time for us to go more into the asbestos. Yeah, it, right. Um, just a natural progression. Right? Yeah, I think so. And, and and it come around a time like we lost my brother to suicide, and one of the things that come out of that was, you know, you sit there and you look and you go, "What's making me miserable? What do I need to change? And how can I make my life simpler?" And um, and funnily enough, roofing to asbestos was <laughs> was one of the one of the things that was a big influence, and it's probably the best decision I ever made, to yeah, be honest. Sounds a bit counterintuitive, but uh, obviously it's worked well for you. Yeah, yeah, it's worked really well. Um, now, mate, uh, for our listeners' benefit, you and I are both part of this thing called the Lived Experience Network in, uh, well, not just Australia, is it? It's it's a, a global, an international uh, I think it is, yeah. initiative. Yeah. Um, but you and I uh, know each other through the Lived Experience Network, which is, a, uh, I guess, a community of people with an experience of suicide. You mentioned you lost your brother to suicide. How long ago was that, mate? Just on um, two and a half years now. It was February, yeah, two years ago. So it was um, something that pretty much come out of the blue for mm. us and our family. And the challenges, the obvious challenges, but also my whole family was in Melbourne and I was on the Gold Coast. Mm. And that just put massive pressure on me. And, and that was, at that time, I was toying around with the idea of transitioning the business but um, that's the thing that I just said, oh, I have to do this now. There's no way I can keep doing the roofs. And, you know, like being being a tradesman for a long time, I don't think it matters what the trade is, you're conditioned to get a result. You're always, you've got to get the job finished. You know, you're on tight deadlines, you're on timelines. Mm. And you, you just become 
tough. You know, you have to become tough. You have to go to work with a sore shoulder, short, sore back, <laughs> all those kind of things. You know, you, you've just got to push through. Yep. Um, and, you know, resilience becomes second nature. But sometimes, you know, even no matter how tough you are, these things can get on top of you. Absolutely. And, mate, uh, I, I'm i going to direct our listeners to another podcast, which is uh, Roses Radio. Uh, Roses in the Ocean is um, one of the fantastic, uh, well, I guess training organizations, but uh, sub-communities of the Lived Experience Network. Um, and you did an interview there where you go into a lot more detail about, I guess, you know, events surrounding uh, the loss of your brother and, and the specific impact of that. Um, but, mate, you, you mentioned resilience, and it's something that I'd like to talk with you about today because I know having worked with small business owners and tradies for the best part of the last 10 years, <clears throat> that concept of resilience or I think we misconstrue that. My old man's a builder and came from a pretty tough upbringing in Western Sydney, Uh and so this concept, particularly for Australian men, of just sucking it up and, and you know, take a teaspoon of cement and get on with it, I think, I think that's quite a, a dangerous misconception of what it means to be resilient. What's, what are your thoughts on what resilience is and perhaps what it isn't, Jason? I guess um, I studied... I, I got a little bit, I had a little bit of a midlife crisis like everybody else does and got back <laughs> into the gym and, you know, and did some, and was able to achieve some pretty incredible things with mindset. And I realized to be able to do the things that I wanted to do, I was going to have to learn some resilience because, you know, if you want to do like pretty extreme things, mm there's a point where your body's going to give up and your mind has to take over. Can you just... So um, I started... Sorry, mate. Sorry. sorry to jump in. Can you just unpack that a bit for us? You said, you, you know, you had your midlife crisis, hit the gym, did some pretty amazing stuff with mindset. What are we talking? Oh, lost like 50 kilos in nine months. Jeez. Ran, 11, ran up 11 mount, uh, 12 mountains in 12 months, did a couple of tough mudders, and I did an ultra marathon. Um... Yeah, so, stuff not, like a, so not just like bench pressing your body weight or something. <laughs> I've never actually achieved that. Um, now I'm going to have to do that, you know. That You'll day, have to right? work at that now, mate. <laughs> so I was able to, you know, and to do all that, I was just, I think I, I just had a really good trainer. I had a really good partnership with the trainer and she just fed it and I was just like, it was awesome. It was like being reborn. Mm. And... um stuff that I learned there, you know, I, I, I looked towards, cause I was in that mindset of push, push, push. I, I sort of, I started studying some stuff by uh, an ex Navy SEAL commander. And, um, cause that's where I thought if I'm going to have to learn this, I'm going to have to go to, you know, these guys used to start to keep themselves alive in stressful situations. So yeah, I learned the lessons and it. You know, what surprised me the most was it's not about, being aggressive it's about actually being calm and it's about centering yourself and 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 using your breath to calm your mind and and you know like it's really it's really funny to hear that this this guy um mark divine he he was a navy seal commander and the the navy seals 
sort of said to him, mate, we've got this massive dropout rate, and that's really good because we want tough people, but mm. we're losing. It's costing us a fortune. We're <laughs> losing these tactically excellent guys, aggressive, everything, everything. Yep. Can resilience be taught? So he went and found out, and he said, yeah, yeah, it can. Mm. So, um, so I learned those lessons, and it probably wasn't until we lost my brother that I had to fall back on him. You know, the, the, after I'd done all the physical stuff and, you know, and, and sort of put the weight back, a lot, lot of it back on, not all of it, but, um, but you know, like I sort of didn't, I sort of thought I don't need these things anymore. But yeah. then with the, the stress of my brother, I sort of, we I had about 14 flights in 12 months up and down and every flight I had to carry, you know, I was carrying a laptop. I had, I had to learn how to run the business mobile and I had to get my head out of one business into the other business and, and one of the big results from that was just massive burnout, yeah, and um, and huge chunks of memory loss. I could I, I could talk to you, talk to you, you know, face to face, meet you, all that kind of thing. Ten minutes, I'd have no recollection of mm. that conversation. Yeah, even if you come up to me and talk to me, I I would have no and I and I started to think, hang on, this isn't this isn't normal. This isn't like you know. I'm yeah. I'm tough. I'm I can do this. I'm up for this. <laughs> You're a tough, bloke. but it actually... you climb mountains and run marathons and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and I, you know, I've all you know, and it's just sort of it really caught me off guard, and and I thought, hang on, I need to I need to really do something about this. So I got back into that that mindset training and and just the small drills, and, and it made all the difference. It was it was everything, you know. In that twelve month period, I managed to stack on about twenty kilos, like really, really quickly, and um, and all that was weighing me down, and and everything sort of got on top. But I just kept thinking, oh, I can push through, I can push through, and like families weren't really dealing with everything really well in Melbourne, and and that's why I had to go up and down so much, and I try to take all the pressure off mum and dad. So anything that was coming bad. I'll put myself between them and it. Um, but, uh, you know, we got through it, but without the that resilience, revisiting that resilience training, there would have been, I don't know, it wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have got through it, yeah. to be honest. So, and then at the end of the 12 months, I, I turned it back on and smashed off about another 16 kilos. Mm. So the lesson's there, like it, it can be taught and it can be learned and it's not that hard. So there's probably a bunch of people listening to this going, well, that's awesome, but what is it? What is this resilience training and perhaps what are some of the keys to it? Um, what were your, I guess, uh, go-to strategies with redeveloping that resilience, Jason? I, I guess that, um, just re- going through the book again, and it's all, a lot of it's about like they use meditation a lot, and I know that sounds like a bit hippie, but if it, if you're learning meditation from a Navy SEAL, just trust that it's not going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and the way that they frame it is like this is like if you think about being in the intense positions that these guys find them in, these are the techniques that they can use on the spot to keep them calm and push through. So a lot of it is about um, on the spot where it's all happening. It's about centering your breath and and controlling your breath because believe it or not, when you when you're in a stressful situation, a lot of people tend to hyperventilate, which starves your mind of oxygen, mm. and that doesn't equal making good decisions. Is this a guy that teaches tactical breathing or box breathing? Yeah, box breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I've, have you read it? I've uh, I've not read his book, but I um, I listened to a podcast interview with him. Funnily enough, um, yeah, and I think it was on a podcast called Barbell Shrugged. And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on that, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was a really good interview, and I actually, I I mucked around with it a little bit, and I told. Uh, so I'm a CrossFitter, and I told one yep. of um one of my mates at CrossFit about it because he was struggling with headspace, and yeah, you know, getting partway through a, a workout with a a movement that he wasn't so good at, and he was getting angry and frustrated, and it was just really hurting his performance, and he wasn't enjoying himself, and. Anyway, I put him onto it, and um, he's been doing it for a while now. And this guy is so zenned out in his workouts, uh, yeah. And he's and he's, oh, he's not crushing it by fifty percent more, but you know, ten fifteen percent improvement, and he's enjoying himself, and he's developing again, and all just from doing this box breathing or this uh, tactical breathing. It's amazing. And, and there's a lot of like a lot of other parts of it is like positive self talk and 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 you know gratitude. You know, there's a part in there where like. If, Gratitude and sadness can't live together. Yep. So you can, if you can practice gratitude, and there's a, there's a lot of other tricks in there um, that you can sort of employ over the days, weeks, and months. But you can get started straight away, and that's that's the best part about it. And, and it's something that you can do in your own time, in your own place. You know, nobody has to. Like I didn't even tell anyone for months I was doing it because I just I was in you know I was in that mode where I just got to do what I've got to do to. Um, to make it work and and i can't but you know like the this stuff that I, we had to go through and endure through losing my brother and just the business stuff you know trying to transition like it, timing for everything you know is important and having that sort of you know gone through the whole thing of when you when you're a tradesman i was a roofer for 20 years and i sort of i was losing that identity and, you know, all those things were happening at the same time. And, and the only reason why I got through, I think, is because of this this mindset adjustment. And, and it's everything. Mm, mm. And it's, as I was saying before, you know, I've worked with a lot of uh, business owners and, and trades people or tradie business owners. And I've, I've had people over the years criticize my coaching, actually, because... They've said, oh, you know, we're spending too much time on mindset and we just need to look at spreadsheets. Oh, we're not doing enough on spreadsheets. And, you know, this this is a business owner who, you know, could be miserable every time I see him each week or her uh, or hating on his staff or, you know, clearly not okay. And there seems to be this resistance or, or discounting of how important our headspace is in, uh, well, everyday life, but business especially. Oh, mate, you know, like I had to, so that was one of the other things that I had to do because I, I was a tradie, you know, I was on the tools, nail bag, you know, all those kind of things. The first thing I had to do was to, to be able to run an asbestos business was to be able to develop the mindset of being in the business of running an asbestos business. Yeah. You know, the first thing I did was threw my ladder off my ute. <laughs> took off the ladder racks, got rid of my tools, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, I've still got this ute now because it's practical, but I am never buying another ute again. <laughs> and, and that's part of the mental transition for me of becoming a business, a businessman, you know, and yeah. it, it really sort of, 
I talk to a lot of people and, and I'm, I'm in the local master builders and I, I talk to them and it's really sad for me to see a lot of tradies go down this whole sort of, I'm a tradie, now I'm a businessman, now I've got my own business and and the, I don't, like it's like a poison chalice for a yep. lot of blokes. Yep. Um, and, and I think the biggest, I'm probably, mom, the biggest proponent of it, the biggest industry, the biggest problem in the builders industry is lack of business skills. There is no other, all these problems now, I don't know, if it's <laughs> anywhere else in Australia, is this massive thing, all these builders going broke, there's Phoenix trading, there's all these kind of things, you can look all those things up, but all adds up to, blokes not taking the business of being in the trade business seriously. And I laugh, um, mate, not because it's funny, but because, you know, it's it's a, it's a bit of a, a tragic comedy. Uh, it is. Because I, I, I keep saying it, but I come across that daily in my travels and I'm just one business coach uh, and there's a heap of business consultants and marketing consultants and coaches and even blokes like yourself out there in business who are doing things differently that are seeing how much people underestimate the shift that's required to go from being a tradesperson to actually owning and running a trade-based business. It's a very different skill set. It's not impossible, and, and plenty of people make that transition, but it's just it'd just be nice if people acknowledged that and then said, well, how do I do that? You know, that's such an important question is, how do I make the transition? Well, the first step, like it's, you know, all, this, all the old sayings come out now, the longest journey starts with the first step. So <laughs> I bet you've got a few, Jason. I bet you've got a few more. Right. But I've, I've come up with my own, and one of them I'm really proud of. I um, I sort of got to this – I thought, I'm going to make the change. I don't know how to make the change. So what I did was there was an episode of the Seinfeld where George <laughs> Costanza says, now I'm going to do the opposite of everything. And um, I don't know. So he basically – every decision he ever made that he ever trusted, he changed it to the opposite. So that's what I started doing. I started, I called it invoking the Costanza protocol. So, <laughs> I love it, mate. That's awesome. If I was going to write a quote, I'd go, no, you're not doing it that way. You have to find another way. If I was yeah. going to talk to a customer, no, you're not going to use that language. You're going to change the way that you talk about it. Um, probably wouldn't hurt if you wash your ute once a month. <laughs> you know, these yep. <laughs> These kind of things, and I started to get curious because it drove. Because I had, I put myself in a situation where I had to become someone else, and the only way to do that was to keep reinforcing. That, not that I had self doubt; I didn't even have any self doubt. I had so much self belief that I. That, that's why I did it because I backed myself all the way. And you know what? Traders have got these skills. <laughs> you know, oh, absolutely. Everyone's done that impossible job in that for that impossible customer on that impossible site and somehow managed to get paid. <laughs> so and that's, and that's if the, you can do all that, yeah, you can do all this. And and it's actually quite, it's really rewarding for me. Like I, I got up the other day, I had a, um, had a breakfast in, with my business group where we have great speakers come in. So I get some knowledge from that. After that, we had a workshop, had to do a few quotes came home, uh, write a few blogs, and then um, just think about some – I take a bit of time to think about how, how is what's going on in the business, what are the bits that I need to change, have a bit of a checklist. Now, that's an easier day to face than 14 hours on a roof. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm still using all the skills that I had. I think it's really, and I'm, you know, it's really terrible to throw away that life skills that you develop as a tradie and just go and work at like a hardware shop and be the expert on plumbing in aisle 14. Was there because... a was there a tipping point for you, mate? Did it did it click into gear for you at some stage that that transition from tradie to business owner? Yeah, I have, I've had a couple. I've got I've got a couple of good stories over the years that I it I was it was sort of thrust upon me. I had a um, but one's probably more. I I can tell you a quick one. I remember when I was a apprentice roofer just starting out. There was a plumber on site, and he would have been about seventy-five, and he must Jeez. have had like throat cancer or something. And he had the hole in his throat. Oh yeah. And yeah. he had a um a hanky, yeah, covering it that was duct taped around his throat. No. I guess to keep the dust out. And I just looked at him and I thought, that's not going to be me. Yeah. So that was a long time, and then another time was I was doing some reroos down in Ballina and Lismore and it was 40 degree every day and I was in the uh was staying in a local pub and it was 40 during the day on the roof but I it was 45 in the hotel mm. get in there he turned the ceiling fan on and it's doing about 1k an hour so that's <laughs> not helping laying in this bed just sweating then um I try to open the window of the hotel to get some fresh air in and I jimmied it open but it must have been under the bins. Oh, so I had no. this waft of rubbish come through this window, so I'm just laying there sweating, smelling the smell. And get out of bed, try and fan the smell out of the room, close the window, and I was sort of I had that sort of routine going. Then someone broke into the shop behind the pub, so I've got the blue light flashing, oh, the rubbish man. smell, 42 degrees. <laughs> then the nightclub started. Oh, and yep. I'm laying in there in this bed going, I'm in Guantanamo Bay, and there isn't even a bunch of do-gooders out there trying to save me. I've put myself in this position. What the hell am I doing here? And that was the day that probably galvanised it for me. I thought, I have to, this change has to be made. That was enough. Mm. So what were some of the the key changes? So if, uh, you know, (laughs) if that little story just resonated a little too much with uh, some of our listeners, Jason. What are some of the first steps? You know, you said before, greatest journey begins with uh, the smallest step. What would be some of those small steps? I've got a business coach. <laughs> there nice, you go, mate. <laughs> You're speaking my language, brother. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about in business you know we'd had a lot of success with our building with our bis- our roofing business we had like we had like a seven figure income one year and it was all based on luck and that's why we weren't able to maintain it we were just flat out busy and I thought I was a genius yeah because um, you had heaps of work because on we had heaps of work on them, but I, I I didn't like the spreadsheets either Warren you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know and we had no idea and what was going on. So I started to, I thought I, I need to get set a base here. Um, I was a member of local master builders and they always push these kind of things. So I started going instead of just paying and not turning up. And I started to think, yeah, I've got to get a business coach. And that, and I signed up for this 12 month thing and we had phone calls every month and got workbooks and, and um, 
just really opened up my eyes. I thought, yeah, this is it. I've got momentum here. Mm. Um, and and it sort of just from there, it, it just sort of become like this thirst for knowledge because, you know, I already had the work ethic. I was already prepared to do whatever I had to to get jobs done from being a tradie forever. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I just sort of navigated my way through and figured out what had value and what didn't and, and developed, you know, everything that I needed to do. And it's just such a rewarding, rewarding thing. You know, like I was talking to a guy that I used to roof with the other day and, and, you know, these guys are still doing what I was doing 10 years ago or five years ago. You know, they're still sub in for the same places. And, and I just, I, I guess there, there, there was a part of this where I just, it wasn't enough for me anymore being a tradesman. And I'd lost the passion for it, yeah. for roofing, you know, and it's, it was showing in my work and it was causing problems and costing us money. So mm. it was time to move on. But it's the best decision I've ever made. Mm. Life's so much more fulfilling, so much more interesting, and and I'm still really involved in you know what's going on with roofs because we still do we do asbestos re roofs. We don't do the roofing anymore, but I can when I talk to roofers and, and gutter guys and say, oh mate, maybe we can do a few for you. All the knowledge, you know, it comes across, and it just makes it so much easier to deal with people and yeah. um to, for them to know. So, um, yeah. That's it. And I've always had a, from that time on, I've always had some sort of mentor, whether it be, um, you know, going to seminars and, and following through with all the stuff and implementing the stuff that I've learned yeah. or, and then going on to the next thing. And just, to, just like being a tradie, constantly developing your skills so you can be better at what you do, which gives you pride in what you do. And, and you know, it attracts business. And it attracts the right business, you know. We, gee, you know, learning that lesson about good customers and bad customers, and <laughs> letting your business and who to let out of your business. So, yep. You know, when you're a trader, you just work for anybody. Um, yeah. yeah, winning a job is a, a reason to celebrate. Um, oh, absolutely. Regardless of whether you make any money out of it or not. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, you know, supermodel. I'm not getting out of bed for less than this, mate. <laughs> might be a little job and you might need it done, but, you know, running a business, you know. So yep. it's um, it's awesome, you know, if you, if, it, if there's a guy out there who's getting not – you know, like there's there's plenty of guys out there that are going to be tradies for the rest of their life and they're going to love it. And I think that's awesome mm. because I think that you have to have some sort of passion for what you do and what you're working. You know, a lot of people think – I want to find something I'm passionate about. But, you know, like, I don't do asbestos removal. I'm passionate about it. And it didn't start off like that. Yeah. I'm passionate about it now because that's where we had to, that's where I could go. That's where my skill set was. And then the, at the start, it was like, we just have to move to this. And now I'm really passionate about it because I'm passionate about the business of being in business. I'm joining into the business community. I'm, I'm learning business skills. I'm, you know that's that's what is makes me passionate about it now. So mm. people so sitting, yeah, different way to measure the outcomes. You can still be passionate about it. Uh, and the the thing that I love about working with tradespeople is, in general, they they take a lot of pride in their work. And there's a lot of crap about Australian tradies, and and you know they get a they get a bit of a pasting in the media from time to time. And look, there's there's 
cowboys and bad operators in every industry uh, across the globe. But, you know, I grew up with my dad who took pride in his work and I take pride in my work as well. Now, I'm not building houses and, you know, laying tiles, but I, I want to do a great podcast every time, you know, my blog posts. Um, I do a bit of DIY stuff around home as well, you know, it's in the blood. But uh, it just shifts from wanting to, you know, install a window to the best of your ability to training your team to install windows to the best of their ability. Like the the way you exert your influence just changes. Oh, mate, you know, and, you know, like going back to that Australian trades getting bashed in the media, I am like, so over that kind of thing. You know, do you know why there's a skill shortage <laughs> in the skilled trades in every country in the world? I'm sure you're about to tell us, mate. <laughs> it's it's as simple as it's so it's so popular in the media to kick tradesmen. Yeah. You know, they're constantly being shown as dodgy rip-off merchants. And like, if that's true, how does anything? How does any structure in Australia stand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. If that's so true, what, why why is why are people living in houses that right. have been built for them by all these guys? It's so untrue. There's a guy in America. I don't know if you've read that, watched that show called Dirty Jobs. Oh, I've seen a couple of episodes a while back, yeah. The guy that does that show, his name's Mike Rowe, and he is so passionate about that message yeah. of the reason why there's a skill shortage is because society has devalued trades. Skilled trades. And yet, you know what? And I, I've spoken to a few people about this. It's one of the the last remaining skills that cannot be mechanized or done away with via technology. Like Absolutely, mate. A robot is is not going to come and unblock my dunny. Like, that's a long way off. <laughs> it's got to be a, a guy or a chick coming out and getting their hands dirty or crawling inside my ceiling to figure out why the light won't work. I mean... We've we've uh, automated so many things, but the trades are, are like the last bastion of, of human endeavor. And uh, because of that, I think it's such a fantastic opportunity for operators like yourself and the other people who listen to the show um, to run great trade businesses. And, mate, you're so right. And it's so rewarding, you know, to be able to, to for myself, to and, and it's hard to say this without, casting shade on other people but it's so rewarding to be able to run a great trade-based business you know when all these people they just if they just took a little bit more if they took attention to the fact that they're they're in the business of running a business instead of i'm a tradie their Mm -hmm. lives will be so much more fulfilled and so much because it's it's awesome you know like being a tradie is is a great thing, you know. A lot of people, there's that all that jealousy, you know, like the cashed up bogan and <laughs> all that. But it's people who talk like that because it's, it looks great, yeah. And and some and just it's just a perfect fit for some people. Absolutely. And you know, like it's one of the few jobs that if like if all the electricians and all the plumbers didn't go to work, the world would stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a whole lot of people like, sitting in the dark with some funny smells. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like you think of, like you think, like if all the bankers didn't go to work, well, we have public holidays. That happens. We survive. Yeah. If the, if the, if the bakers don't go to work, we have. 
you know, there's days where those people, it doesn't, we'll, we'll get through the day mm. or maybe two days. But if all the tradies just stopped, <laughs> you know. Lights it, out, you're mate, right. literally. Like, <laughs> it, it just stopped. It, so it's it's really key. And it's so, so many, like, great family traditions of second and third generation tradesmen. That, that And they're really proud of it. And, and it, these kind of things, I just I roll my eyes when I see a current affair just booting into another guy and you know like he maybe he yeah. deserves it but they never have you ever seen a current affair just find a local guy do a great story on him tell him about the family tradition <laughs> and really sell the trade businesses something that is a cornerstone of society and, and should be celebrated for that fact alone good news and it doesn't just makes sell. me angry good news doesn't sell mate it's uh I think one of those sad things about the human race is we're addicted to drama and, and um, bad news, it seems. so. That's why I don't watch the news. That's one of my other resilience plays is don't watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. you know, it doesn't serve you. It, it, it just undermines your day. It's... So, mate, uh, I'm conscious of time as well, and, and um, thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, before we wrap up, though, a few more questions. One is, uh, do you have some daily habits that you follow? I talk to my clients a lot about daily habits and and setting up some good um, habitual practices that almost predispose you to having a great day, whatever that might look like. Do you have anything like that, Jason? Yeah, um, obviously, I've just started back at the gym and not being not exercising in the morning and exercising in the morning is a massive difference. Yep. So I'm really valuing that at the moment. Um, I always try and prepare my day the day before. Um, we've just implemented some scheduling software in the business, which makes everything clearer. Um, and I just, you know, I always try to look to cut things out that aren't going to make the day go smoothly. Um, at the end of every day, I actually sit down and figure out how much money we've ate out of each job um, because it helps me keep my, my pricing hmm. keen and keeps me motivated. Like I look at that and I go, that's awesome. So when that. you say how much money you made, you're, you're talking margin, not actual invoices. Just because just, most of our jobs go for a day. Yep. Um, so I can pretty much, I have, a, I have a sheet that I've done up that I just... I, I work out, you know, we spent this much on labour today, this yep. much on consumables, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I work it out every single day. And it's been a really good thing for me mm. to get my handle on where we're at with the business every day. Uh, obviously, MYOB takes over. and yep. that, So it's like my controllables, you know, the things that I can control in the business. Yeah. And then the fixed costs are worked out later. But I know what that, that, that line is. And I do work out our profit margin every day too. Um, it's, it's that a, has been a massive change. Because it's a trap for a lot of operators and a lot of people that I've spoken to uh, is they think of, you know, how much money did I make today as, you know, I did 10 turnover. grand's worth of work. Yeah, turnover or revenue. But nah. it's such a it's such a dangerous um, way to look at it because, like you say, you've got to take out labor and consumables and, you know, direct materials perhaps, depending on the business you're in, and see how much money you made as in how much you kept from that job that you can use to pay running costs of the business, you know, overheads, fixed wages, vehicle leases, all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's an important shift, mate. And thank you for bringing that one up. Yeah. And just also to chucking like the labor of the jobs 
And if you if you you get a pattern in any business where you have a similar job coming up repeating over and over and over again, and you you're going to know if you're running teams like I do, you need to know whether they're actually performing. And as unsexy as it sounds, it can come down to the labour percentage. Mm. Oh, you sure. can know what's going on, and those are the kind of things. I like that. I like to be able to, and I can give my guys good feedback on that. Um, and those kind of things help me keep me in the game, you know, that mental game, because running a business is, is about uh, paying attention to detail and being able to make small changes before things get, there's no use checking your figures once a month. It's too late. No, no it's, late. uh, that's only 12 corrections a year versus weekly is 52 corrections a year. So, yeah, you know, you can yeah. uh, keep things on course much better, making those more frequent adjustments. Mm. And take a breath. <laughs> like I just did. <laughs> if you're under stress and it's all like, you know, you don't have to answer every question. You don't have to reply to every email. If, if you're not comfortable, you just need to stop and take a breath and give yourself time. Mm. And that's probably my number one tip for life. Take a breath. Mm. Change the way you look at everything. And I, I think uh, in that, Jason, you've answered the uh, question that uh, we've been asking on the show for a couple of years now of our guests is if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's your sage words of wisdom that you would leave them with, mate? Take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when that guy's, when you're about to call that guy because he hasn't paid you, maybe take a breath <laughs> yeah. before you make that phone call. Yeah. When you've got to deal with that difficult, you know, there's a lot of conflict resolution in trades businesses. Totally. Make sure you take that breath before you go into that meeting and it will change change the way, that, the outcome every time. Mm. So, mate, uh, last thing before I let you get on with your day, uh, what's next for Jason Spall? Well, next week we sort of really like the idea of um, trying to scale the business up. Mm-hmm. I want to have a bit of a have a go at that, and we, our asbestos management plan for uh, rental properties is a massive thing that we've poured a lot of um, energy and expertise into. So that's kind of something that's something we can scale nationally. So we'll be once we get some more traction on that, that's going to be my. I'm pretty gonna I'm going to have to hire people in the business to take the day to day stuff that I do off me so I can concentrate on, on this project and I think that's where my business mind is going and, um, you know, I've got two kids and a wife spending as much much more quality time with them because I'm much happier and a lot more easygoing now <laughs> so we can, we can go away and enjoy the time and I think if you can't do that, maybe that's a sign, a red flag that you need to change things. Mm. Great advice, mate. Well, look, uh, thank you again for uh, your time today, Jason. It's been awesome having a chat with you on the Tradies Business Show, mate. Uh, And I know you've been listening uh, for a little while at least, so uh, great to finally have you on here and give you your moment of stardom, mate, on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, mate. Mate, if people want to find out more about you or your business, uh, what's the best way to go and do that? Um, We've got, obviously, we're on Facebook, um, coastal asbestos removal. We've got our website, 
all the W's, coastalassessmentmovement.com.au. I've just launched a new, if you go to our Facebook page, I've just launched a new group that's Ask the Expert. Because even though I'm in the, I'm in asbestos removal and it's our business to to get job, you know, to do the jobs for people and that, I still feel obliged to help people out. And I don't really care if you got something at your house that you think might be asbestos and you're not sure. I would rather you put a picture on that page and mm. ask for help or advice. Or if your husband, it's just wrap the hanky around his face and grab the hammer and he's just about to strip out the the bathroom. Yeah. I would much rather. You just say, hey, uh, w- what should we do here, mate? I'm happy to give that advice anytime. And, and I think the Facebook RC expert through our um, Facebook page is, is the easiest way I can do that to help people out. Love your work, mate. And, uh, and look, uh, personal gratitude to you too for the work you do as part of the Lived Experience Network and uh, with Mason Construction and Rose in the Ocean, mate. Uh, Great to, to hear more of your story there. So, mate, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll let you go and uh, clean up some more asbestos. Thanks, mate. You've been listening to The Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Want to get off the tools into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.